Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Family Law Talk. Family Law Talk. Presented by Kirk Stangy of Stangy Law Firm, PC. With offices in the Midwest. Stangy Law Firm is a family law firm. Now, here's your host, Kirk Stangy. Welcome to Family Law Talk. We have an interesting topic today. The topic is proving parental alienation. And this is based on an article on our blog, FamilyLawHeadquarters.com, dated March 5th, 2017. The title of that article is How to Prove Parental Alienation. So as a follow-up to the episode today, you can definitely go on over to Family Law Headquarters and check out the article. Uh, we also have more information on parental alienation on our webpage, stangelawfirm.com. That's S-T-A-N-G-E lawfirm.com. So you can definitely check that out. We also have a link right below the episode uh, back to the webpage on parental alienation as well that you can definitely check out. But let's go ahead and jump into the topic. Again, the topic is proving parental alienation, and this is definitely something that comes up uh, in some custody cases, and, and really probably the more extreme cases. Obviously, a lot of custody cases, whether it be a divorce or unmarried parents, you know, in a lot of cases it can be done relatively amicably. In some cases, maybe it's not that amicable, uh, but there's not allegations like this, you know, allegations of abuse, neglect, parental alienation. Uh, but in some extreme cases, uh, this will unfortunately come to fruition, and it'll be an allegation uh, that's raised. And really what parental alienation is, is these circumstances, these cases where the children have, in essence, vilified uh, one of their parents. And, and, and unfortunately, in these circumstances, then the kids don't want to be around that parent, right? Um, when it's time uh, to go to the other parent's home, they don't want to go. Uh, they refuse to go, perhaps. Uh, and then maybe if they do go and they're forced to go, then they come back and they're making, making allegations um, that just maybe don't make sense, that seem extremely outlandish, which are really tough and perhaps difficult to believe just on the surface, uh, especially uh, when you take into, into account who the parent is and you go, you know, really probably a good person, not somebody who would do these extreme things that are alleged. Um, and in some circumstances, the kids can almost sound like they're uh, parroting allegations. In other words, they're saying uh, what they were told to say. And in a lot of circumstances to court, you know, it just doesn't pass the smell test. Uh, when the allegations come to fruition. And in a lot of circumstances, there might not be any evidence to back it up, right? So if the kids come back and say, you know, they're being extremely abused physically uh, by one of their parents, but there's no evidence of that, right? There's no bruises, there's no injuries, right? There's really nothing to substantiate that. In a lot of circumstances, it's hard for the allegations to really pass uh, the smell test because there's just not any objective evidence to back it up. Um, but again, uh, in a lot of these cases, this term parental alienation gets uh, thrown out there. And I think a lot of parties think uh, that if they come to court and uh, ultimately they put on some of this evidence, right, that uh, these allegations have been made, there's no objective evidence to back it up, right? There's not evidence of abuse um, uh, uh, to back it up in any kind of objective sense. Uh, then uh, some individuals will want the court to find specifically uh, that parental alienation has taken place, and then they want uh, a favorable custody award. And in some circumstances, you'll see parents say, look, I'm the victim of parental alienation. I ought to have custody, for example, uh, as a result of that. 
And, and so that's, that's what a lot of individuals think. Uh, that's what a lot of individuals believe. And, and truth be told, uh, this is complex, and it often isn't as simple. Now let me, uh, for the sake of sort of setting up this episode, also differentiate parental alienation from what is called realistic estrangement. Um, realistic estrangement is lesser known. Uh, it's, not, it's not often uh, that clients really bring this up, right? Parental alienation sort of commonly known. It's a term that a lot of people are familiar with, but I think if you ask people what's realistic estrangement, uh, you'll get a lot of people that really have no idea. And realistic estrangement are these circumstances where the parent's behavior is abusive. It is neglectful, right? They do such extreme things uh, that the kids aren't alienated from them. They're estranged from them based on their own extreme conduct, right? So take a circumstance, again, where one parent is extremely abusive, could be physically, it could be emotionally, uh, but they're engaging in this behavior that's just awful, really, right? In these circumstances, the kids aren't alienated. They're estranged uh, from their parent by that parent's own conduct, right? And so what can be tough in some of these cases is knowing what it is. And out of the gates, uh, it can be a real question mark. Are these kids alienated? Uh, in other words, is the parent actually a pretty good parent who didn't do these things? Or on the flip end, did the parent do it? And as a result, the kids are estranged, which then would be legitimate, right? They don't want to go to that parent's home. They don't want to go over for visitation, right? They're being abused. Uh, well, that makes sense, right? That's not their fault that ultimately that's taken place. And so, again, in a lot of cases, it's tough to know whether there's alienation or whether there's actually realistic estrangement. And that's where it can be a difficult quandary uh, for a lot of courts to work through, and so in terms of proving parental alienation, which is uh, the topic itself, again, a lot of individuals think it's sort of easy, it's sort of simple. You know, you can come into court and, and simply uh, show the court uh, that the kids are saying these things, uh, these things are awful, uh, there's no way that these things could have happened, right? So the kids must be alienated, and, and as a result, right, uh, whether it's the mom or the dad, who's saying there's alienation, then they might say, look, I ought to have custody as a result. And they think that ought to be relatively simple and relatively easy for a court uh, to decipher through, uh, when at the end of the day, it is not, right? In most cases, it's very hard. So again, how do you prove parental alienation? Well, truth be told, um, uh, generally speaking, that is going to have to be done through expert testimony of some kind, right? Now, no, the laws in each state vary. Uh, different courts can do different things, and, and different judges obviously have uh, uh, their own preferences in terms of the evidence they want to see. Uh, but in a general sense, expert testimony is really vital in deciphering whether or not there's parental alienation or whether or not it's realistic estrangement, right? And then, depending on what path uh, uh, their conclusion goes down, right? you know, it's either parental alienation or it's realistic estrangement, right? And then it's not necessarily easy to know what to do past that, right? So let's say the kids have been alienated. Um, well, what do you do? Do you, do you just throw the kids back with the parent that they've been alienated from? Or uh, could that cause some big problems, right, where kids maybe uh, run away? Uh, maybe they uh, think about harming themselves, uh, right? Or, or, or other extreme things could, could happen if, uh, 
if you sort of think about it, right? So just proving that there's alienation doesn't always mean that the automatic remedy is just giving the kids to that parent, right? In some circumstances, that might be the way the court ultimately goes, but that might have to be done in a more delicate manner, right? So through counseling, uh, through therapy, uh, through other types of interventions to make sure uh, uh, that ultimately the kids, at the end of the day, the best interests of the kids are taken into account, right? And then as it relates to the other parent, maybe the parent uh, who did commit the acts uh, that ultimately led to the kids being alienated, you know, what type of therapy do they need uh, so they don't do this type of stuff in the future, if, if, assuming that's a possibility, right? Some circumstances, it's, it's maybe it's beyond remedy, uh, but in some circumstances, maybe that parent could be educated. Maybe they could go through therapy themselves of some kind uh, to learn to behave uh, differently in the future. So again, uh, just proving parental alienation doesn't automatically lend to an automatic result of custody, right? In some circumstances, it's much more complex than that. And then take the opposite scenario where it's actually realistic estrangement, right? Uh, the parent's behavior is actually extreme. It's actually abusive, right? Um, in those circumstances, right, that parent generally isn't going to get any kind of favorable custody judgment, right? If their behavior is so extreme, the kids don't want to be around them, right? In, in some circumstances, that might mean the kids aren't going to be around that parent uh, uh, much at all. And if so, maybe in a supervised sense or a very limited sense. Uh, and if the court, on the other hand, thinks that maybe that parent uh, could be educated into becoming a better parent uh, than maybe counseling, therapy, some sort of parental uh, uh, education could be implemented uh, to make that parent uh, a better parent for the kids, right? So, again, in terms of proving parental alienation, uh, again, the laws vary. Different judges have different preferences, but in a very general sense, uh, I think expert testimony usually required, and that expert testimony usually comes by way of generally a child psychologist of some kind or, or some other psychologist uh, who's able to really delve into it. And you might ask, well, how, how can they tell the difference between the two? Complex, right? And I'm obviously a lawyer. I'm not uh, a psychologist myself, but having worked through uh, custody evaluations in the past, uh, in a general sense, uh, a custody evaluator will look at a lot of different things, right? So uh, they might perform psychological tests on the parties uh, uh, to the custody case, right? They might look at medical records, uh, school records, uh, and other records that might be out there that might be pertinent, uh, maybe police reports, let's say, uh, uh, other types of uh, uh, reports that might involve uh, violence, uh, let's say, and then a lot of it can also uh, involve uh, the psychologist talking to the parties and other relevant witnesses, right? And after a really thorough analysis, uh, the hope is that evaluator is able to come to a conclusion about whether it's parental alienation or realistic estrangement, or maybe in some instances the evaluator says neither is happening, actually. So, I mean, that's always a possibility as well. So, again, really the premise here is how to prove parental alienation and the general answer to that question is through expert testimony, right? Uh, you can come into court and present evidence, uh, but ultimately it can be very hard for a court uh, uh, to, to render an opinion uh, without that kind of expert testimony. So again, in a lot of cases, 
uh, uh, there's no allegations of abuse, there's no allegations of neglect, uh, there's no allegations of parental alienation or realistic estrangement. So in those types of cases, ordinarily an expert wouldn't be needed. Uh, but in circumstances where parental alienation is being alleged, generally speaking, the party is going to want uh, to have some kind of expert testimony to siphon through it and to provide an opinion to the court. So that is the episode today. Hopefully you all found it enlightening. Again, as a follow-up to the episode, go to famalawheadquarters.com and check out the article titled How to Prove Parental Alienation, and the date of that article is March 5, 2017. Well, thanks for tuning in today, and stay tuned to our next episode coming up. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Family Law Talk with Kirk Stangy. Visit StangyLawFirm.com for more about today's topic or to put Stangy Law Firm to work for your family today. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision that should not be based solely upon advertisements. Neither the Supreme Court of Missouri or Illinois reviews or approves certifying organizations or specialist designations. The information you obtain on this podcast is not, nor is it intended to be legal advice. You should contact an attorney for advice regarding your individual situation. We invite you to contact us and welcome your calls, letters, and electronic mail. Contacting us does not create an attorney-client relationship. Please do not send any confidential information to us until such time as an attorney-client relationship has been established. And finally, past results afford no guarantee of future results, and every case is different and must be judged on its own merits. Kirk Stangy is responsible for the content. Principal Place of Business, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450, Clayton, Missouri, 63105.